Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. We are going to continue in our series in the book of Colossians. And we're going to uh, be in Colossians chapter 3, <laughs> verses 12 through 14. Before we get to those verses, though, as I was kind of studying this passage, as I was meditating, um, it was actually really cool the way that Riley opened up worship this morning by telling the story of, of the kids and how the kids transitioned from playing an invigorating game of Foursquare into worship and the way that they sang loudly and that they became incredibly present to worship um, almost immediately. And that was just, that was really cool. It was really exciting to see that. That, I will, I will say, that does not happen every week in student ministry. Um, they transition that well and that they become that present. But the week that Riley was there, um, God was super present in their lives and they were incredibly present to him. And it was really beautiful. And what I've noticed in my life and in talking to other people's lives is that we as a people have a really difficult time being present. Being present to the present, being present to one another, and being present to God. And when you think about it, I started to think about it this week, there are 120 hours in your Monday through Friday. Everyone gets the same 120 hours. Now, in that 120 hours, 50 of those hours are spent working and like commuting to work on average. So 50, almost half, almost 60 of that 120 is used in work and commuting to and from work. And so that takes up a big chunk of our time. That takes up a big chunk of our energy. And there's tasks to do at work. There's things that need to be get, get done at work. And so we kind of like have this work list. I don't know about you and how you guys organize your days and organize the things that you have to do, but I have a program. It's called Trello, and there are just lists upon lists, and there are different boards that have different lists, and it's just trying to keep it all organized so I don't have to keep it all in my brain, but at the same time, I have to be present to that list, and that list is kind of always growing in my head of things to do in all of these different categories. So not only do we work for 50 50 hours and commute, but then (laughs) when you take into account of sleep, we sleep for about 30 hours, and that's if you're getting six hours a night, which they say most Americans get. Um, some people get more. If you're at seven, it's 35 hours. If you get the full eight, like you're at 40 hours a week. And so we're at 50 and 40. It's starting to add up pretty quick. Now, say there's two hours for meal prep and cleanup, and so that's 10 hours a week of meal time. And then say that there's the, all these home projects that need to get done, and say that's just another two hours a day, and so we're up to 10 hours there. And now that leaves us with four hours left in our day for family time, for free time, for time with God, for meditation, for social life. I mean, it adds up quick. And it's just hard to remain present to all of that all the time. And what I find is that we are people who are kind of continually looking forward And always wondering what's about to happen next. Or kind of worried about what's going to happen next. And what I find is that when we're in this place of continually looking forward and struggling to remain present in our current lives. And we're constantly stuck doing, doing, going, going, moving. Is that we forget the presence of God. And we forget our identity in Him. And when those things happen we quickly slip into things that become incredibly natural for us. And that is the evil desires that Paul talked about earlier in the passage, kind of around chapter, I mean, verse 5, kind of these evil desires, anger, obscene talk, slander, 
I mean, these things kind of come out quite naturally and quite quickly. And, um, and it's just because we're going, 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 and we're not present to God, and we haven't been present to him and his spirit for a while. And so what ends up coming out of us are these kind of natural things. The Bible says that they're earthly things, but I would like to say it's kind of the, the natural thing that comes out of our broken nature. And these are the things that Paul is encouraging us to put to death, that he encouraged us a couple weeks ago to put the death towards. And it's the same thing that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, where he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. And I think that this is probably true for many of our lives, especially when we don't have time to stop and become present. When we're busy going, going, doing, doing all the time, it becomes incredibly difficult to become present and to put on the things that God really wants us to live out, that God really wants us to experience with one another in relationship with one another and with relationship with him. And so this morning I want to read what are some of these things that he wants us to put on while we're taking off these evil things. And we're going to talk about how maybe we can practice God's presence amongst the 120 hours that we have kind of during the regular work week. Because I will tell you right now, the solution isn't going to be to take one of those hours every day and just make it quiet time and Bible reading time for you can sit and say, oh, I checked that box. I was present to God for an hour. And then because what often happens, even in my own life when I've taken the time to do that, is that the, <laughs> the remaining 115 hours, I'm incredibly not present to God. And so I kind of do this thing in this quiet cubicle, and then it, for some reason it doesn't carry over. And so the, the goal this morning is to put these things on and to kind of think about it in a way that we can carry the presence of God with us, carry being present to God with us for those 120 hours that we have throughout the week. And so let's read together <coughs> verse 12 through 14, because these are the things that God wants us to put on in place of those things that we naturally want to do. And so he says this. He says, Put on then, as God's chosen and holy beloved people, compassion, with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So we must also forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time that we just get to stop everything and become incredibly present to you and your voice and your spirit, where we get to intentionally worship you together and proclaim that you are good. God, remind us of your goodness this morning. God, speak to us and to our hearts in the ways that we need to hear from you. And God, may we be receptive to it. May we leave this place knowing your heart for us and how much you love us and how much you want us to walk in these new things that are from you and that glorify you in all that we do. Lord, we love you and we thank us. Thank you for who you are. May you grow us as your church and as your people. In your name we pray. Amen. And so the question is, is how do we do this? How do we put these things on? <laughs> and I think that answers that is that there's a balance of being present with God and execution. 
Because what often happens is that when we come across a list like this in the Bible, we'll spend a lot of time kind of dissecting this list and being like, this is what meekness means. This is what humility means. This is what love means. I think we kind of know what these words mean because we know what the opposite of these things mean. Like, we know what pride looks like. We know what harshness looks like. We know what an unforgiving spirit looks like. We know these things, and we also know what the antithesis is when we experience it and receive it. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time on these things because I don't want it to become this proverbial checklist that we're like, man, if I just, if I just was more humble, if I was more meek, if I was more patient, and, and we lose the point. And I think the point is that we need to set our gaze throughout the week on God and everything that we do because God is present with us. God is present with us in everything that we do. The question is, is are we present with him? Are we present with him? When we come into worship, we don't have to call God to come and be near and to come down as if he's far away, but instead it's more of like we need to wake ourselves up and be like, can we become present to him? My hope is is that as we go out through this week that we would wake up more often to become more present to him in the normal things that he's already planned for us to go and do. (laughs) And so the, the first thing that we need to do is to become present with God. And I think we can become present with God by just simply asking the question, what am I hearing from God? Am I hearing from God? Do I hear God speaking into my life? And when he does speak, what is he saying and what am I supposed to do in response to that? What is the response to becoming present to God? What is he saying in this moment, in this place? And a lot of times this idea of like becoming present And living in the present kind of gets a bad rap because living presently kind of has this idea of of I do what I want. It's like living in the moment. And our world says, well, living in the moment looks like I do what I want, I get what I want, I do what I want, and I want it now kind of thing. And really this presence of God is much different than that. It's actually asking God, what do you want right now? Instead of asking the question, what do I want? And I want it now. It's like, God, what do you want and what do you want from me right now? Maybe it's to just continue to do good work at the work that you're doing. Maybe it's to stop and let your day be interrupted by a relationship or by a stranger that you would have been incredibly uncomfortable doing. And maybe it's going to be incredibly uncomfortable. We talked about this last week. But maybe that's what God has for us in that moment is to step into this place of holiness into someone else's suffering, into someone else's trial. But we have to be present to God to be able to step into those things, to hear those things. And I believe that as we put on the things of God, we have to become present to him, and we have to become present to our identity in him. You see, God is recreating his people into a new image. We talk about discipleship here at Damascus Road, and we say that discipleship is this idea of where you get to come and belong, you get to be, belong to this community, but you don't get to just stay in this community the way that you are, but you actually get to become who God is transforming you into. And I think this is one of the incredible hopes of the gospel is that it's not about <laughs> just coming and feeling better about yourself, but it's about coming and receiving new life and new transformation. And the way that we do that is by becoming present to God and taking on the identity that he has given for us and that we are being created into his image. And so what I want us to see is that, and we see this in, uh, in verse 10, it says, having put on the new self, 
which is being renewed in the image of God after the image of its creator. And so the goal through Christ is that we would grow to be more like God. And I believe that this list that Paul lists out, this idea of humility, meekness, patience, being present to one another, forgiving one another, and binding everything together in love is who our God is about. It's who our God is. I think some of us, when we think about the idea or the vision of being transformed into the image of God, it's kind of like a really vague and unattainable goal. We're like, image of God? The problem is, is that we carry this broken image of who our God is. There's times where we see our God as wrathful, where we see our God as angry, where we see our God as impatient, where we see our God as just kind of always ready to pour out wrath and judgment on us. We like the idea of Jesus because Jesus kind of is the stopgap, and we're like, Jesus somehow plugs that from God. But the reality is, is that Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is a full human manifestation of who God is. And so it's in Jesus normally that we see the meekness and the compassion and the loving and the generous and the gracious. But I also want you to know that that's who our God is. That that's who our God is, and that's who our God has been even in the Old Testament. That Jesus isn't just this new reimagination of who our God is. It's not that the New Testament came and somehow our God just got nicer. But this is who our God has been from the very beginning. And this is the image that our God wants us to grow in as his people. And so I want us to go to Exodus and just see who our God is. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, the Lord passes before Moses, and he kind of proclaims his identity to him. And so in 34, verse 6 of Exodus, it says this, it says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to the thousand, forgiving the iniquity and the transgressions of sins, <coughs> and then by, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the in, in, iniquity of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so what we see here is that our God is just, our God is loving, our God is patient, our God is merciful. It's very much the same thing that we find in this list of Colossians that he wants us to put on. That he wants us to put on not just one hour a day, not just one hour a week on Sunday morning, but that he wants us to infect all hours of the day. That we are awake, that we're asleep, that we're with one another, that we're with him. And this identity of who our God is, is, is reiterated throughout the Old Testament. It's not just here in Exodus that we find that our God is like these things that are listed here in Colossians, but it's also listed in Jonah. We read from Jonah last week as Jonah went to Nineveh, and Jonah goes to Nineveh. The people of Nineveh repent, and he's angry because he knows who God is. And this is what Jonah says about who God is. He said, I knew that you are a gracious God, that you are merciful, that you are slow to angle, that you are abounding in steadfast love, and that you are relenting from disaster. This is who our God is. And it's who we have found most fully in Jesus Christ. But I also want you to know that it is also who our God is and who God is trying to transform us into the image of, that he has created us with the hope that we would be like him. And he has given us his son, 
to die and make it possible so that his spirit can come and live with us and transform us so that we can be like him in all hours of our week. And so we need to look at this identity. We need to be reminded of this identity of who God has called us to be as a people. And we see this in verse 12 of Colossians. He says, put on as God's chosen, ho- chosen ones, holy and beloved. We are holy and beloved people. This is who God sees us as, is that a people that have been set apart for him. A people that he loves, that he pours out his patience, his mercy, and his grace on. And I believe that if we're going to get to the part where it says, that we need to forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. You must also forgive. If we're going to get to that place, we need to spend some time resting and experiencing the presence of God and the truth of who our God is and experiencing his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his compassion in our own lives. Because what I know is that as a people, that we know our Bibles pretty well. And we can say, you know, who is our God? And we'd be like, well, he's merciful, he's gracious. And the question is, is like, yes, we might know that. But the bigger question is, do we know it? Have we spent time experiencing it? Have we spent time resting with God? Have we spent time where we have felt God's love, where we have experienced God's mercy? We've experienced God's peace. Are we spending time actually knowing it? Because it's from this place of knowing and from this place of being present with him that we're going to be able to bring his presence to the world. Because in this language of being a chosen and holy people is also this job that we've been talking about from week to week, and that is that we are priests. And not only are we priests, but the people of Israel, the most earliest Christians, believed that they were the temple of God. And to be the most holy temple of God is a big deal because that's where the Spirit of God resides. The temple was the most holy place. Only the high priest could go into the most holy of holy places to be near God, to be where His Spirit rested. And the early Christians on the day of the resurrection and shortly after when the curtain is torn from top to bottom, they begin to believe that the Holy Spirit has come the Holy Spirit is resting in them and that they are the physical, living, breathing temple of God. And not only that, but they are the priests to go and bear witness to the world, the goodness of our God. And so we need to have an incredibly <laughs> renewed image of who our God is. So, and we need to be able to experience that with him to be able to then go and take it to the nations. Well, I was reading this and I was thinking about the idea of taking stuff off and putting stuff on and the idea of being a priest. I looked into some of the priestly garments because I was like, well, if we're going to be priests, what what did the priests wear when they went into the presence of God? What did they put on? And there's a number of things that I really can't go into full detail about everything they put on and all the significance. But one of the things that really struck me was one of the things that they put on is that they put this garment on that had two stones on their shoulders. And on these stones on their shoulders carried the names inscribed on them of the nations of Israel, all 12 tribes. 
And the priest would go into the presence of the Lord and he would carry them on his shoulders. He would bear witness to the nations and he would bear witness to God and pray for the nations and intercede for the nations by carrying it on his shoulders. And I felt like that was incredibly fitting, especially in this place where it says, bearing with one another. That we are called to bear with one another and forgive and love one another. As these priests, as these people who have incredible access to God, who's living and breathing inside of us. And so my question, one of my questions for us this morning is, who has God put on your shoulders? Who has he inscribed for you to bring into the holy presence of God and lift up before him? What names are inscribed on your shoulders to be present to and to say, God, I need you to be present to these people. These, pre- these people need you. They need you to intercede for you. They need you to come down from heaven and intersect earth. We're called to not only just be holy and beloved, but we're called to go and do, and we see that here with this idea of let's bear with one another. Let's put on the priestly garments where we bear these stones of our friends and our family and our neighbors and our co-workers, those who are suffering, those who need us, those who need not just us, but who need the Lord who needs his salvation and his grace in their lives. And so the question is, is sure, it sounds great. Be present to God, be present to God, but how do we actually, like, for real do this, Justin? How do we for real do this? And this is where I said it's it's this mix of both, like, willing ourselves to be present and execution. And I think that, what we often miss in our society is this, this idea that it is okay to will ourselves to be present to something that we don't want to always be present towards. At least as a millennial, and maybe this is a generational thing, but as a millennial and in talking to millennials and growing up as a millennial, one of the things that we struggle with is this idea of authenticity related to feeling. And so there's a lot of people as millennials, as my generation, I can only speak to my generation. Maybe it's true. Hopefully, maybe this carries across generational lines. Um, I don't mean to, you know, create separation in the body as I talk about this, but I can only talk from my experience around this. But as a millennial, there's this idea that if we don't feel it, then we're not going to do it. And that if we do something without feeling it, then it's inauthentic and we're lying. And that we would much rather just be honest and say, you know what, I don't feel it right now, so I'm just not going to do it, than to do it and, and have no feeling or conviction behind it. And the reality is that as millennials, that gets us into a lot of trouble because do you know how many days we, I wake up and I'm just like, yeah, I want to get into the Word. I want to eat that up. I want to pray. I want to step into some really uncomfortable situations today. Do you know how many times I wake up feeling that way? I mean, how many times do you wake up feeling that way? Right. You know how many times I wake up (laughs) or want to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning because my son has an ear infection or teething or whatever happened this morning? Like, zero. I don't want to do that. But he's there and he needs it, and so you step into it because you have to. You step into it not because you have to, but there's part of me that does want to because he's my son. But it's hard, and it's something that I'd probably rather not do. I don't love the habit of getting up at 4 a.m. So 
But there is something about putting on, about putting on these things, about putting on the presence of God that we can practice and that we can do and that we can create a discipline of even when we don't feel like it. And for a lot of us that are millennials, that's going to feel real dirty. It's going to be like, but I don't feel like it. But I just want to say, I believe that there are things that you do from day to day that you don't feel like. Like getting up and going to work, probably. It's not like every day you're like, I'm ready for work. But you get in your car and you go to work and you do your thing. Maybe you call in sick from time to time. But 98% of the days, you're there, whether you want to be or not. And no one's questioning your authenticity around that. And so we need to be a people of discipline. We need to be a people that discipline ourselves to be present to the Lord in all that we do. And what I don't want us to do is to say, I need to discipline myself to this list. Because that's where moralism comes in. Moralism comes in, and for a long time the church has said, here, you want a list of things that you can do and that you can do better? Here's the list. If you do these things, if you can check them off, if you can work really hard at them, then God will love you and bless you, and you'll have a great life. But that's not the gospel, and that's not reality. The reality is, is that God is calling us to be present with him, to be his chosen people, to be holy. And I believe from that comes these things of being humble, of being meek, and of being patient. And do we need to discipline these things into our lives? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not just going to wake up one day and be like, man, I was so close to God, I think I'm just going to be humble today. It's going to take those moments where we are prideful and we hear God's voice say, hey, you might want to cool your jets here in this in this spot. Or, hey, you're not as important as you think you are. And you hear God speak into these moments where we get overly prideful and you hear God say, I want you to repent and turn. I want you to, to grow a more humble posture. And I know that God speaks to these things because these are things that I've heard him speak directly to me about. And this is what being present to God is about. Not about going and trying to achieve this list on our own, but it's about having ears to hear and eyes to see where God is moving in that 120 hours through your week. And yes, it even includes the weekends. Of where he's looking to transform us into the image of himself that's gracious and compassionate and loving and patient and kind and forgiving. This is the image that God has of bringing heaven down to earth within our hearts and within our souls. And so the last thing I want us to do is to just become a bunch of moralists who say, look at what I can do. And that get really burnt out a couple years in. But what I want us to be is I want us to enter into a sustaining, life-giving, peace-giving relationship with our Father who loves us immensely and who wants to train us up and grow us in Him. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary. Take on my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and learn from me. This is what our Father wants for us. And so the challenge is just going to be, is how are we going to be intentional throughout the week to be present to his voice? How are we going to discipline ourselves? How are we going to mentally get there to a place where it's like, I am looking for God. God, I am hearing you. God, you always have my ear. Because I know tomorrow's coming with everything that you have to do. And you start that clock and the 120 hours starts ticking. 
You've got all the housework. You've got all the chores. You've got the kids to take care of. You've got the meetings. And it can become very quickly to where all you hear is that list and the clock ticking in the background. And I just want to say that is not how God designed us to live, and that's not how he wants us to live, but rather he wants us to live in the presence of him. Where there is joy, where there is peace, where there is patience, where there is humility, where there is kindness, where there is life. And that where there is faith to trust that things are going to get done. And that we are not as important as we think we are. And so that's kind of my challenge for us this morning. And so as I, we get to this application place, I just have these questions for us. Is where have we experienced these things about God, his humility, his meekness, his patience, his kindness towards us, this list, where have we experienced it? Where have we taken time to experience it? It was pretty wild this week. God was doing this thing in me that I didn't even know was going to be a, kind of about this sermon this week, but um, there was a moment, kind of happens to be a rhythm of my life, um, where I will get to a place where I'm like, all right, Benjamin's asleep. It's like the evening. It is my time. It is my time. And sometimes that time starts when Rebecca goes to put Benjamin down because she's so good at it. And that I'm like, all right, my time. And there was one time last week where I locked into my time. I just opened my iPad to like read the newspaper and really just check out, relax. And minutes later, Benjamin just starts screaming. And it's like, oh. And Rebecca walks into our room, and that means we got to turn the lights out. That means no iPad. That means no phone. That means no nothing. That just means sitting in the dark because that's what it's going to take for him to fall asleep. And in that moment, I was just like, oh, I just, I just got to me time. I just got to that four hours. You know, and it felt like maybe 30 minutes that I was going to get that day just for me. And so what I did is I was like, God, I'm really angry right now. I did the natural thing. I was, I was angry. I was frustrated. But one of the things that God did in me is that he spoke to that anger immediately, and by God's grace, I was present to it. I was like, all right, God, so I'm not supposed to be angry. What, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to receive in this moment? And he's like, just be. Just be. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to be. And there we were in our bed, Benjamin, Rebecca, and I. We were snuggled. Benjamin calmed down. We were all exhausted. It was 10.30. We fell asleep. And it was just like, I leaned over to Rebecca, and I was like, man, God is good. I was like, this is going to be one of the highlights of my week, actually, is where God turned that anger, and he brought peace, and he allowed me. He just said, be present. Be present to your baby boy. Be present to your wife. Who cares about any of those other things? And I was like, oh, man, this is rich. This is life-giving. And like I said, Benjamin was up at 4.30 in the morning, 3.30. I don't know what time it was. He was up, you know. And, you know, the first thing that happens when your sleep's disrupted, especially when you've not gotten a lot of sleep throughout the week, is you're like, oh, I just want to sleep. But then by God's grace, God's voice slept in, and he's like, hey, Justin, be present. Your boy is in pain. Your boy needs your presence. And from there, I, I felt like I had the energy to stay up from that point on. For the rest of the day, I was like, God, you, you are giving me the energy. You're giving me the strength to get through this. These are normal, everyday things. 
This isn't like profound miracles, but in that place, I felt God's presence incredibly close, and I felt his strength in a way that I normally would not feel at 4.30 in the morning. I think it's because God was present and I was able to hear his voice. And this is just, these are the small things that I wanted to encourage you in throughout the week, is when you find yourself, especially in those places, stepping into the things that would be most natural, or the Bible would say earthly, that's going to be the most opportune time for God to speak very loudly and to say, hey, do this thing instead. Come rest instead. Come be present to me and my love and my heart for these people that need you, that need you to be calm, that need you to be loving, that need you to be forgiving, that need you to be compassionate. Because that's what my son needed in the middle of the night. And I believe that that's what everyone needs. We all know what it is to be, have people respond harshly. We all know what it is to have people impatient with us. I believe the fruit of the Spirit is a gift from God because it's all the things that we need from other people. And God says, you go and do that and be that for other people. Go be the light of the world. And so my challenge is for us to go as a people this week and discipline ourselves to, to really rest in the presence of God not just for an hour, not just to check off some list, but in the full 120 hours that we have throughout the week. May we seek his presence. May we trust the identity that we are his temple, that we are his holy people, and that we carry the spirit of the living God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead inside of us. That, and if he's for us, who can be against us? There is nothing that we cannot do. I believe that this presence to God is how we worship. It's how we worship him. How we make much of who he is by mimicking and mirroring him to the world. God says, I'm going to make you a new creation. I'm going to make you like me. And it's through this transformation that the nations are going to be blessed. And so it's through being present to God that we worship him, but, but it's also in being present to God that God is on mission in and through us, everywhere we go. Sometimes we limit mission and we want mission to just be this program. And I want us to reshape our minds around mission and say mission is wherever God has placed you to be and however he has called you to be present in that place. And that the cool thing about mission is that mission is not something that we have to invent ourselves and stir up within inside ourselves but the mission is God's and we get to execute God's mission by being present to him and by hearing his voice say do this now do this in this place in this space and we just have to step into that faithfully trusting that God is going to bless whatever it is that he's doing we don't have to understand it at the time we might even feel bad about it I had a friend this week who served some homeless men. And at the end of it, he's like, you know what? I don't, I don't know how I felt about that. He's like, because they're, they weren't going to be brought into any type of community that helped them or sustained them or pushed them towards any greater end. Like, they're going to end up in the same place that they just were. I was like, yeah, but Jesus says, like, if they ask for a coat, give it to them. If he says to walk a mile, walk two miles. I was like, it sounds like you did that. I'm like, you don't have to question what God's mission is in the greater picture. You just have to trust that he called you into that mission right then, right there, and that he's doing something far bigger than ourselves. I believe these are stories, these are examples of what it is to be present to God and what it is to worship him 
and to be on mission and a light to the world. And so that's our challenge this week. Let's focus and let our prayer to be present to him in all that we do. And may life come abounding after. Would you guys pray with me as we head into worship, into communion, into time of reflection? Dear Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for, that you are a good God from beginning to end. That the fullness of goodness resides in you. That you are, <laughs> know that there is nothing greater than you. That you are as good as you are today as you were yesterday and as good as you are going to be tomorrow. And God, I pray that we would rest in that, that we would proclaim that to the nations, that we would experience that, that we would not just know that mentally in our heart, but that we would know that in our soul. God, I pray that you would unlock our emotions, that we would become like David, dancing unashamed before you because you are so good, that you loved us so greatly. God, allow us to feel you. Allow us to know you. And God, give us the strength to be disciplined in the things of you and being present to you even when we don't feel it, even when it's uncomfortable, even when we would rather not, even when we have a massive list of things to do, God, may you set us free from the burden of those things. And God, may we just set our sights upon you and trust you. Lord, help us in our unbelief. In your name we pray. Amen.